0: Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 85 of A Thompson and Other Disappointments. Um, Special shouts to the Patreon backers, uh, who are funding the embryonic stages of my cult, of bimfluencers. My terror group of tawdry talkery, if you will. Uh, That's Kerry, Paul and Julian. Uh, I honestly value your support more than uh, the vacuous barely present enthusiasm of my blood relatives uh when i tell them about my podcast so thank you very much put simply you rock my world uh just a quick note regarding that pa- patreon page um all episodes go on there first so if you want to snap them up asap uh in the brief window of time that they can still claim to be relevant then that's where they'll be uh, and then two days later they go out onto spotify and apple podcasts and probably a bunch of other places that i don't even don't even know about um If you cannot support via Patreon, totally understand that. It is a weird time for everyone. Uh, All I would ask is that if you've listened to two or three shows or read the blogs, all of it's on Funk 27. uh, If you have enjoyed it a couple of times, maybe ping an episode that you liked to a friend who you think might also enjoy it. Uh, That's that's all I ask. That's it. That's the pitch. Um, My guest tonight. Sometimes sometimes I get shit for getting too many people of a similar mindset on. Uh, guys, um, and, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of lefties on lots of progressives, lots of ideal idealism and musings that sit comfortably left of center. Um, it is good to talk with other people, though, people from different, um, different walks of life and uh, who have different experiences and uh, different values and sensibilities and so on. Um, with that in mind, I was really drawn to, to my guest tonight. He's on TikTok. Um, he's a money guy. He's a uh, property investor. Um, he and I don't agree necessarily on everything politically, um, but he seems like a lovely chap. And I'm really excited to, uh, to have an hour of his time uh, and to pick his brain about a few topics. So uh, please welcome to the stage. Welcome to the stage. It's because we were talking about comedy a minute ago. Welcome to the show. Sorry, my am guest gonna, tonight.
1: Am I going to run around and start waving and stuff and high fiving? This is going to be this going to be embarrassing because we've just been watching all the cameras up here.
0: It's already embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the show, I, Graham I, I, David. I,
1: I, do you know what? I didn't even notice? You. Oh, sorry, Graham David. Yeah, that's me. I didn't even notice you. You're A Thompson and other disappointments, are you? I've only just picked up on that the last uh, the last five ten minutes. I love that name. That's amazing.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's the result of a Twitter poll about a year <laughs> and a half ago. I was like, if I if I were to start a podcast, what's the sort of? I want it to have a funny name because everyone like yeah. everyone's show is just called like the Paul Adams show. You know, like yeah. it's got to be something a bit self-deprecating. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I absolutely get you, and I, and I think these things are always tweaking and changing and altering to get to get better, aren't they? And because I, I had a rubbish title for ages, and and I kept sort of altering it and changing it, and then you mean Graham? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, that is what it is, right? Um, but but <laughs> but maybe I don't know. Two three months ago, I saw something. It might have been TikTok. It might be somebody else, and they just said more money, and I thought. Oh yeah, that's it. That's that's clearer. That's simpler. I can do that. More Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, that's that's what I ended up with.
0: I like it. It's sort of you know it does what it says on the tin, right? If <laughs> it you, tries to do if yeah, you subscribe yeah. to something called more money, there's no ambiguity there. That's what you're looking for.
1: Well, I think so. But um, you know, it, it's not it's not just money. I mean, it's uh, you know we we try and talk a bit about property, and we talk about about saving money, making money. Mm. Uh, we talk about uh, property because people always want to know about property. And the other thing I'm really, really keen on is because is, um, there are so many people promising these instant, quick, get-rich scams. There always have been, by the way. People are always yeah. around. But it's actually, there are there are things that work, there's stuff you can do to, to do a little bit better. And, and for me, a lot of them are actually quite simple. There is no secret button you can press. There's no turn your computer into an ATM 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, that's some crap course they're trying to sell you. But... There are little things you can do, and that that's kind of what it is. And then, of course, uh, there's bits of comedy we throw in there, allegedly, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> various other things, uh, socialist Steve and other little things we drop in.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've got to make it entertaining. Otherwise, you're just a guy in front of a webcam, monotonously boring your audience. I mean... I've tried to move away from that and make my own content uh, somewhat entertaining. Um, yes. Let's talk a bit about your background, Graham, because, um, you know, I, I know you from TikTok and a lot of your content money wise is, is really engaging. And I find your Socialist Steve stuff really funny. Um, but let's talk. Let, let's sort of spool back a little bit and talk about how you got into. How, how did you become a money guy?
1: Well, I, I'm probably not a money guy in terms of some of the money guys you see, but um... My background's in drama and theatre, right? That's that's what I studied. That's what I wanted to do. And then I spent most of my 20s flat broke. Mm. Um, and I did the most awful succession of jobs. Like many of us, we've all done rubbish jobs. I think my low point, I was a blue fluffy shark uh, for a few months. That's Three the half- low, f- low point? That sounds like yeah, a- that's the low point. £3.50 an hour I got for that. Yeah, That's um, no, a grim job. Anyway, so I, I, all these various jobs. But I had this sort of vague plan of something to do with performance and drama. And, and, and I ended up... Um, I was a lecturer for a little while, but I ended up becoming um, a trainer, as in a corporate trainer. And when you start doing stuff like that, you work with a lot of very good people. You work with a lot of not so good people, but you see a lot of big organizations. and You you start to work out stuff that's working. And then, of course, you're working a lot of companies. And you work mm. with a lot of managers and leaders. Um <clears throat> And off the back of that, I started looking at property. And off the back of that, of course, you'd, you're trying to think, well, how can I get a bit of an internet profile? And um, and really, when I started doing stuff on TikTok two years ago, I did what I guess most people do, except the really together, sorted ones. I don't know how you started, but I came on and did what everybody else did. So I, I did the dances. All right. right which is still there. Can't imagine Uh, you twerking, but yeah. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing. Uh, Two two and a half thousand videos ago, um, and I I did all the, whatever the the lip syncing was, and I just did one video about, um, here's a way you can present more confidently on camera, and all of a sudden the figures shot up, and it's like, oh, okay, Uh, here's a thing i do to try and save £5 a week. And it's people like, oh, that's interesting. And that was all it was, and it was just like, I guess common sense. Yeah. But but trying to bring a degree of honesty to it. So I've made loads of mistakes, like we all have. And I noticed that the money guys often never do apparently make mistakes. Yeah. So it was my my start, I guess, was can I um <clears throat> can I share some stuff with you that's honest, that really works? And actually, let's be honest about it if it's if it's a good idea or not a good idea, but I'll tell you, I'll be honest about it. And that was yeah. it. Really. That was,
0: that was I, I had a very <laughs> similar experience where uh, When I first went on TikTok, I was way ahead of the curve. I downloaded it when I first heard about it, because I used to be on Vine, which was uh, an app that was out, I guess, about 10 or 12 years ago now, Um, like short six second videos and like loads of people did comedy. Like it's quite challenging to make something funny in six seconds. Um, And it was it was loads of fun. And I met some friends on it and stuff. And and then it died. Like Twitter bought it. They didn't know what the fuck to do with it. And then it was just wound down. Um, And so there was this I I don't want to suggest that there was this, you know, hole in my life that I was desperate to fill. But when I found out about this new app called TikTok that was video based and it was there was a time limit on it, I was like, oh, well, fucking great. I'll jump on that then. And I did like the same stuff as I was doing on Vine, just shit, little jokes, tiny mini sketches. And uh whereas Vine was really difficult to build a following. Uh TikTok, I I did like maybe one in twenty or one in thirty caught fire and it would get like, you know, twenty thousand views or fifty thousand views and a, a shit ton of like I was so, like, so, wow.
1: So when, when was this aid? When when were you doing this?
0: This was about this must have been about three or four years ago. I remember because I was in Malta on holiday and I was doing one there on the balcony. Uh and then I just I deleted the app for ages ages and ages because i just thought well it's not is it worth my time for like one in 20 or one in 30 so, videos where, where
1: did your numbers go in those first few weeks months Do you remember uh <clears> there <throat> was i did
0: one about how there was one joke about how i'm like i call myself the librarian because when i join the chat like the whatsapp chat like it's free flowing but then when i join it and say something it shuts the chat that like everyone goes quiet and uh, it's like a librarian you know going like telling everyone to shut yeah, up I've got it, I've got um, it, yeah. and uh and that like blew up i was like oh cool okay and then like i, I guess that was about 20,000 or 50,000 views which for an account that had like 30 followers <laughs> on it was pretty good but a lot like a huge chunk the majority by a huge margin sank without trace and it was only so you you said about like when you did a uh, a money tip then it sort of caught fire It was only when I did—I randomly did a video, I think I was taking the piss out of, like, Meghan and Prince Harry or the Queen or something. It was something royal-related, and it fucking... Like, I was like, whoa, okay. And then the next day I did a video about Brexit, I thought, oh, right, okay, I've found my thing now. If I just keep talking politics, like, news stuff, then people seem to like it. I don't know, maybe I should have done money tips too. I would have got less hassle on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Well, I find... I mean, I found... Um, two and a half years ago, I I was kind of grumpy old to the point of social media, right? Mm. And then I started doing LinkedIn, probably 2019. So just before the pandemic, middle of 2019. And I started really working, I was posting five times a day, and started growing my following started actually getting business inquiries. And it was one of those moments of I've been so stupid because I was one of the first people to get adopted into LinkedIn. Right. And like most people on LinkedIn, I then did nothing with it for 10 years except posted anodyne. Uh, you know, if you want to see the rainbow, you're got to have the rain kind of nonsense. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, that kind of stuff. And you do the first couple and it gets out uh, 30 views. You think, Oh, I'll do another one. And okay. eventually you hook it up and then these things are just being churned out. Anyway, so I, I kind of got it. And then, and, and I'd i'd seen tiktok and i was still very much in the mind of it well it's a thing for kids i don't get it i don't understand it and then in, in uh two years ago actually two years ago pretty much this month i started using it and it was the pandemic had just kicked off all of my business had, had switched to online so i now work from a studio i used to go all over the uk or europe everywhere and i said well how am i going to make this work and I, okay i've got to understand this online thing mm. and my first month i still remember i got a hundred followers I remember thinking, I'm doing all right. On my second month, I got 12,500 followers. Yeah. And I thought, ah, I've now yeah. solved it. And of course, you haven't, because three weeks ago, I had a weekend when literally every hour about 100, 200 new followers are joining. And I think in the last two weeks, I've gained 30 followers. Yeah. And they're all brilliant followers and I appreciate them all massively. But <laughs> it's so difficult to get a re- reliable understanding of how the channel grows.
0: Yeah, but at least with like money content you could mm. like it's kind of timeless unless you're talking about like a defunct technology that, you know, oh this yeah, is how you yeah. save money on your fax bill, but it's like it, like it, you know, people are always going to want to save money and things like parking tickets and you know the council tax bill or whatever is is kind of timeless and the the thing is
1: once you've started of course new stuff starts so you know i I started talking about whatever it was and somebody said do you do anything about renting property well i I do actually so i'm in a couple of videos which really exploded and then they attracted a whole new raft of um very lefty people who don't really appear to like my stuff very much but (laughs) did they did they jump
0: on you because you're like because you do property investment are you a buy-to-let guy or
1: yeah yeah I'm a buy-to-let guy yeah Yeah. so I I started buy-to-let in 2004 okay um, like most people who've ever tried buy-to-let I've made so many mistakes yeah but but you know that's part and parcel of it and and um, there are so many people still trying to sell expensive buy-to-let courses and um, there's me and a couple of people on TikTok, and one of them's a very prolific investor. One of them's a mortgage guy. Mm. And we've all had this kind of off conversation. We said, you know, not... how easy is it to invest? And we've all kind of gone, it's pretty easy, actually. You, you, you just do this. It's a thing you can explain in half an hour, an hour.
0: Mm. Most
1: people can understand most of it in an hour. And yet there are still these really dodgy property mentoring companies. It's £20,000 a year.
0: Yeah,
1: It's an utter scam,
0: yeah. I think. Yeah, you know, it's just horrible. There's one guy, isn't there? I don't, I don't want to sort of wh- no. whatever the word is, like libel or slander. No, 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 but uh, what... there's one guy on. I think he runs a YouTube channel, uh, and I saw another guy doing an expose on him, yeah. and he had sort of like looked into the like. So let's say, let's let's call the first guy shane and the second guy is paul right and so paul starts looking into shane's like business dealings and his limited company and where the pro because when you run it like some people who listen to this or or are watching yeah. the youtube might not know that when you run these limited companies you have to publish how much money you've made right and how much money yeah. you've lost uh, and this guy say, Paul, who was investigating Shane, uh, could not find any record of this guy having made the amount of money that he was claiming to have made on his YouTube videos. Like, I've made five million pounds. I've made 10. If you want to do it too, just sign up to my 20 grand course. Like, it's such a scam. Well, uh, I, think,
1: I, think, I think the problem is, um, if you look at people like that, not any specific individual, mm. um, what they all sell is, is what, it, what they're selling essentially works. But the bit that they have to do to justify the prices, it's all about a big funnel. So you're going to get 300 people into a big room in the NEC or uh, in, a, in a hotel in London. You've got to get them all there, and you've got to get them all hyped up. Now, this typically starts over two days. And they all use the um, Anthony Robbins model, which is you going to start with two, three, four hundred 400 people. None of them have paid to be there. Mm. And then what you do is you, you know, you get them to yes and cheers, and you get them to sort of comply with various things. So you're gonna tell them you've got to hype you got you gotta be hyped up, you've got to be positive, you've got to get into the mindset. Now, there's an element of that that's true, but the reality of what you're doing is you're getting them to comply with your requests. And the more you get people to do that, it's a little bit like when you go fishing for for scam and spam emails. Hmm. The fact that people go, yeah, you're just nudging them along a little line. Are they going to agree to the later thing? And then typically they all follow exactly the same route. The first speaker will come out. They'll tell you a story that's quite high. Then they'll they'll have a crashing personal disaster. This happened to their mother. This happened to their job. This happened to their partner. And then they will start to say how property helps them. They took their first few steps. Right. And you'll see this, this the, the sun coming up over the, the, the darkness of their terrible life at that stage. And now they've got 300 properties and they, they never have to work another day and at this point so the argument goes you are most susceptible to the purchase so they will start with there's a book you can buy it's 20 quid you can buy all the books for 100 quid back of the room go buy now and they start with little test purchases and as each speaker comes up most of them are paying 50 percent of the commission or whatever they sell to whoever owns the whole thing mm. and um and, and it it's sounds, about movie- <clears throat> sounds like quite culty doesn't it <laughs> It's very culty. It, it shares a huge amount of the cult. So actually they will tell you, um, it doesn't matter which one you go and check out. I, I've, I've been to see a number of them, in fact. Um, but they all follow exactly the same process. And right. it's, it is like a cult, and they'll say, you might find when you tell your friends and family about this, they disapprove. And you've got to understand that as you develop, as you learn more, and they all use the same phrase, as you develop your education yeah. then your, your world's going to become bigger. Now, that's true. Yeah. But the reason they're saying that is to not take advice or listen to your partner who's going, you sure we need to spend three grand for this weekend? Because yeah. I don't kind of think a we bit, could use that three grand elsewhere right it's now.
0: It's like pre-manipulation or something. It's like sort of... It, yes. it, do you know what? It, it rings alarm bells to me because it's, I suppose, the most obvious parallel to draw with that would be uh, an abusive relationship, right? Like it would be a husband saying, like, don't talk to your mum about this. Don't no, Don't go to talk to your sister about she doesn't need to know, you know, it's very similar. It's like your mum might like when you go back and tell your wife that you're spending 20 grand on this course, she might raise her eyebrows and, you know, leave you. But you just keep paying me.
1: It, it could indeed be uh, an, an abusive uh, woman to somebody else as well just for hmm. uh, the interests of balance um, and there absolutely could be that that sense of don't tell somebody else outside this and and that's actually where a lot of people I mean multi-level marketing does a similar thing um, uh, you, you know the whole there's a lot of multi-level marketing businesses and some yeah. of them are huge and let's not name any of them but there's this whole thing of when you tell people they will raise their eyebrows to use your phrase their aid and It's dangerous because um, everybody I've ever spoken to who has actually invested in property, who has actually done it, myself included, we've nearly all made mistakes. The mistakes wouldn't have been avoided if we'd paid somebody several thousand pounds. Mm. We might have got one or two extra strategy ideas, but for three, four, five thousand pounds. I say to anybody, if you're serious about wanting to learn about property, here's the best thing you can go and do. Go and get a job in an estate agent. Yeah. Because... They will pay you to look at property all day long. You know that's. I mean, without without. And, but the thing is, the the big things they 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 trade on the they they trade on the the star power, whoever the big individual is. Yeah. Um, the individual you're talking about. Um, they will they will trade on the fact there's 300 people there. They will trade on the I'm a multi-millionaire. I never need work again. I was a millionaire at 17, 18, 20, 20 Yeah. 20, 20, 20 yeah. 20, 20 <laughs>
0: Yeah, or, or they'll no say, reason. "Oh, like now joining us today to do a big speech." I guess they would boast about the fact that he's got like five hundred thousand followers on such yeah. and such, like, and it's. Well, it...
1: it's, it's, all, it's all social proofing, so. Yeah. Uh, You know, having a big number of followers suggests that, I mean, if you look at um, Cialdini, a book uh, called Influencer in the 60s or 70s, um, it's used over and over and over by marketeers. But one of the the well-known, I think six or seven principles in there, one of them is social proofing yeah. so the reason that social media is the like and the comment the follow the reason you and I make videos and at the end so if you like this please follow please follow please share to other people is because we want to grow the numbers but we want other people to know that this is okay yeah we are you should listen to what we're saying
0: yeah yeah it's a big thing isn't it especially in in the social media world uh, yeah. to to almost be like a clumsy uh uh metaphor to use perhaps but like a, in the film 8 mile uh Eminem refers to his black friend as his like sort of ghetto pass. Like he's sort of he's allowed into the hip hop battle club because his black friend will sort of vouch for him and say, No, no, it's cool. He's not a cop yeah. almost. Uh and it's sort of like that. It's like you need in growing a YouTube channel or a TikTok account or a podcast or a uh property investment seminar, you kind of you want people to be in a position where they're vouching for you, to to yeah. say that you're not full of shit kind of thing
1: yeah and and, and you, you see it all the time on those seminars so um mm. to go back to your original question and we saw sideways sideways slightly into property mm. um, for me a lot of what is talked about in business or property or marketing or any of these things which i you know i've a, a bit of an interest in, and some exposure to many of those areas a lot of it is 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 quite basic yeah but It takes a a skill that a lot of us don't really want to do anymore, which is a bit of effort, and it takes a bit of getting it wrong. You and I were talking about stand-up comedy earlier, and you will know that every single stand-up comedian who's ever made it, who looks like they came from nowhere, always has spent nights and nights and nights and nights, sometimes years of nights and nights and nights, learning be funny on demand
0: and it goes back to that saying uh i I actually read about this when i was learning coding but it's equally true of anything really it's uh like you see an expert i see a bag of fucking mistakes it's like this idea that you see someone who's just got they just shine at what they do but actually they've got say in a comedian's case often like 10 years behind them of dying on their ass tanking through the floor like people like i remember when somebody was like uh, do you think Chris Rock could do his um his iconic routine, the one that he's most famous for, which I won't quote because I'll get into oh. all, kinds of, <laughs> all, all kinds of trouble for it. But um, uh, they were like, do you think he could do that now? Could he could he hone that routine? I was like, I don't think so, because the amount of time that it would take for someone to craft that and hone it and smooth out the edges, uh, somebody would have filmed it and it would take him dying on his ass and testing this and retesting. Anyway, I'm going off on a right tangent but you know, here. But so. you
1: know what Chris Rock says about being funny, though, right? Chris Rock as mega famous as Chris Rock is. He says it takes him a year from writing a joke to it being reliably funny.
0: Yeah, I can believe that.
1: You know, um, what's what's the thing? Uh, the, the eight, the, the nine, Seinfeld. So, Seinfeld, mega fame, still one of the most successful stand up comedians and writers uh, of all time, right? Sure. This yeah. guy who still makes 20 million a year mm. from shows that they stopped filming 20 years ago. He's still making packets of money. Now, Seinfeld has said, If he goes out with a new show, he said at most he gets about three minutes grace. So when he walks in front of a new audience with new content, he says, I've got three minutes where I can pretty much do anything because I'm Seinfeld and everybody knows me. He said, after that, I need to be funny just like everyone else. Yeah. Now, that's a sharp reminder for whether you want to get better at property or public speaking or being a stand-up comedian or marketing or making good TikTok videos or anything. And I think there's a... I think there's almost a lost attention to detail. And I think the great thing, I mean, the internet, is, you know, it can democratise our access to information and our ability to get famous, if that's our thing, or, or to, to access information. I mean, anybody um, who is below a certain age, I can't work out what that age is now. So the internet came into my life, what, 20-odd years ago, right? Mm. So I was late 20s, uh, 30. And I remember even then thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> but- yeah, even now, you can type in anything and yeah. there's your answer. And, yeah. and the internet has done that, which is amazing. But I think the downside of it is we want everything very fast. Yeah. It was, it's personal also, skills we've got to learn.
0: It's also diluted the value of everything. Like, so back in the day, uh, this, this is an example I often come back to, but like, if you think of how big. Musicians were in the eighties, oh, and yes. how big film stars were in like the eighties and nineties. Well, any decade, and now you look at how much choice like this. It's a basic supply and demand issue, right? Like, so you've got a huge amount of supply now. You've got Netflix, Amazon. You've got, you know, name the streaming platform. You've got uh, Spotify playlists constantly updated. Unsigned yeah. artists on there as well as signed artists. You've got like just this deluge of of product hitting you so it's you never really truly value anything in the same way that your dad would or your granddad would like when they were listening to radio one and it was the choice out of like radio one or like i don't know a pirate station that had the same like eight songs playing every hour you pick like your your one favorite and then you know like so so now we're in a situation where you'll never get another beatles or another michael jackson or another david bowie because you can hear you it. Not,
1: do but... you not think, however, that um, is Shearer and our David Bowie? Arguably. One Direction, perhaps, were our Beatles. They, they were, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to think of it like that. But... I think you're being incredibly
0: generous, Graham, and I love you for it. I think, I think it's a great <laughs> attribute to have, but I think put, <laughs> drawing parallels between the Beatles and One... Oh, is anyone seriously going to be singing One Direction songs in, like, 10 years' time?
1: I don't know any One Direction songs, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a friend of mine who argues that they are that they, they were the Mod Beatles. And I probably reacted the same way as you did, actually, when he told me. And I thought, I can kind of see what he's saying in terms of the global fame and phenomenon. But in terms of the, the, the musicality of the songs, no, I think that's probably very true.
0: They're, they're British and they were big in America. But, yeah. I mean, that's as far as... I can't they were, remember they were them. Big, in...
1: They were big everywhere, right? They were huge. They were huge. Okay. they still are you know. Okay. The, the fine. Day, look, look. The day they reannounce they're going to get together because they're going to. It's going to be part of the plan. Yeah. You know it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. Of course it is.
0: Will it though? Cuz people said that about the Spice Girls. They were like, well, oh, well, when they get back together, it's going to be Cool Britannia all it, over it, again. Those was fucking it, it, ha- half empty arena sales and stuff like No,
1: uh, yeah, it, it was eventually. They 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 made a lot of money for a little while and and so did uh, Take That, Take That boys. They they did very well, didn't they? No. Anyway, we go well off. Yes, we're yeah. going Well off here. Oh, so
0: let's let's just come back to to um, uh by today because so right. some of my followers on on TikTok and maybe on YouTube or Twitter uh might not know this but I'm so I'm perhaps not as super far left as maybe some people who who follow me think that I am. I, I sit sort of comfortably in the center, I think. Um, so uh, in some senses, I get completely befuddled and perplexed at the state of uk government and i i tend to bash the tories quite a lot um but i always feel like that's coming from a place of logic and common sense and a a a thirst for integrity in public office um but in other senses other aspects of my life i'm absolutely sort of firmly uh center right so uh, my girlfriend is a buy to let investor also um i'm a big believer in self-improvement in investing time in yourself uh, making a change if you're in a position to um i think where i sort of get off the bus where where i would i could never imagine myself voting i mean never say never right but i could never imagine myself voting conservative is when it it becomes it, it's a party sort of populated by largely silver spoon beneficiaries of nepotism who then when confronted with an urgency to help the most vulnerable in society, whether that's in social care or people on universal credit or or um, state schools or hospitals, uh, look the other way and then spaff money to donors instead. Like, that's what gets my go. And then when I rant about that stuff, people go like, oh, he's a fucking lefty, a super turbo socialist. But actually it's like, no, that's just unfair. If you want to talk about sort of, you know, self-improvement and that stuff, then I'm firmly in the center. And and as I say, like my girlfriend is uh, a buy-to-let investor also. And and so I've sort of by proxy developed a bit of an interest in that market. And I, I hear some of the shit that she gets as a result of, of working in that arena. So with that very long prelude, um, I'm just curious, like, do you get a lot of shit for, for doing, for working in buy-to-let? Do you get a lot of abuse or trolls or...
1: I don't, I don't really talk about buy-to-let as people ask or are interested. I, I didn't start doing buy-to-let on TikTok until people said, do you know anything about buy-to-let? Yeah, mm. okay. Um, so somebody said, you know, if you had – I think the first video was something like, if you had £50,000, how would you invest in property? Yeah. So I said, well, I'd buy two £80,000 properties, £20,000 in each, and I'd use the £10,000 for the legals, the setup fees, and a bit of refurb, uh, as in a pot of paint. It's not going to be a lot of refurb. Sure. So – that you know, in other words, you get two eighty thousand pound properties, you are hundred and sixty thousand pounds worth of property uh, for fifty thousand £50, pounds. Now, if they both got to hundred thousand uh, pounds, you've now got two hundred thousand pounds worth of property for fifty mm-hmm. grand in. That's not bad. So that was it. It's a bit about leveraging and about how easy the property is. Uh, what then follows is is a range of that's really interesting. Would you do this? What percentage you're paying? Um, a lot of people love to go, and I don't know if they all live in the southeast, but they love to go straight to, um, you're a fucking idiot, you, where are you buying property for 80 grand? <laughs> what, a, sh- a shed? So so two summers ago, that led to an enormous range of videos of, you know, where I live, um, the cheapest place is £250,000. <laughs> so I then send them a video of me on right move with about, you know, 2000 Properties all at eighty thousand pounds or less. Yeah, yeah, but you know some of those are in disgraceful state, and some of those are yeah, but that's a different argument. And I think the problem is it goes back to what we are saying a minute ago, Aid. Some people want everything spoon-fed to them. And the world was never like that. So do I get a bit of hassle? Yeah, I do. Um, it's, it's inane. It's, it's childlike. It's sometimes name-calling. It's sometimes really rude. Mm. So the, the classic one on TikTok is you're a leech, you're a parasite, you're a problem. You're a, it's like, well, hang on, sorry, have we met? Yeah. I mean, buy me a drink first if you're going to go straight for the sexy <laughs> stuff here. But there's a really there's a perception <laughs> that it's okay to say to to you can can't, walk into
0: I can't uh, emphasise enough uh, how cathartic it is to hear somebody else talk about the abuse that they get on TikTok. <laughs> like it's
1: like well, it's, it's very interesting because it's 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 socially acceptable it seems in many circles to go landlords are parasites mm. and with having no concept of what you're talking about. You can then go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. Let's
0: let's peel the onion on this a little bit. So I'm coming at it from a uh, left leaning centre left yep. uh, perspective, but also one where my girlfriend has sort of schooled me uh, on. You sound like a class traitor to me. Ed. <laughs> don't don't feed them. Don't feed them. Um, but it's so so my, my take on this is that there have always been landlords. So I yep. appreciate that. Uh, that they do against, like a lot of people would disagree with this, but I do feel like they do perform a societal function. I think yeah. there's a lot of people for a variety of reasons. Uh, who move to towns and cities who don't actually want to buy property. Uh, They could be visiting lecturers. They could be um, they could be CEOs who are actually only over here on like a fixed term contract for like three years or something while they
1: there's a need there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now admittedly, a lot of those people are probably not going to be renting one bed flats in, let's say, uh, Camberwell in London. Mm -hmm. So there is an argument to be made that when people go into an area of high density like that, where other people are desperate to get on the ladder and there are, let's say, 20 flats in this uh, complex up for sale and then all 20 get purchased by investors and nobody gets a fucking look in to get their foot on the ladder in that first property, that one bed flat, they all go to invest. And then if they want to live there in that area, that's a stone's throw to their job then they're fucked. But now that now they're paying double the amount a month than they would have done had they bought it and they'd be paying the mortgage. So do you like I understand the anger there. You can you sort of empathize with that also?
1: Well, the problem is there are multiple things here that are true, and they're all true at the same time. So mm. there's no cognitive dissonance. This is all true, mm. although all of this appears to contradict itself. So there will always be somebody who says exactly what you've just explained, right? All of the property goes to the landlords. All right. First of all, that doesn't always happen, right? That's not always true. It's your perception that it's true. It might have happened once and it's stayed with you for the last three years and it's a pub story you regurgitate. That's the first thing. So first so, of so all, I don't think it always happens. Second of all, I think some areas do have that problem and some areas are swarmed in on by landlords. But then we raise a bigger question. So is that irritating? Yeah, it sounds horrendous. So what do we do about it? oh, well, landlords shouldn't be able to buy property. All right, but why? Because at the moment, at this time and this place, we generally speaking, although Boris and boys have been trying to change this rapidly, we generally have uh, an open market economy and people can buy and do what they want to do. Mm. And that's generally a good thing. And the problem is in certain areas or in certain buildings or certain high-density areas, Camberwell, I think was your example, but, that people then go, oh, I I don't get a look in. So that raises problems. So can we legislate about that? Should we legislate about that? I think that's less clear. I think the other thing is that we have, um, and I see this a lot with property, we have learned helplessness. Mm. So the most common conversation of learned helplessness I have is this. You've said £80,000 property. Yeah. The average property price in the UK is £250,000. The average wage for a graduate starting is 22. How is that fair? Well, I will tell you. You're looking at the average UK wage, Mm. but you're on not an average... Sorry, start again. You're looking at the average UK property price of, let's say, 250. Yeah. You are looking at a starting wage. A starting wage can't look at the average property price, That's too expensive. Yeah. And they then come back and say, but I've got to move away from my friends and my family. Yes. And you always had to. Back in the glorious 80s when property was £5.50 and we all earned 50p a week. I'm being slightly cynical here. Sure. It was pretty difficult then. Now, a different sort of difficult, but different and difficult for a whole bunch of reasons. So, yeah, I don't think it's perfect at the moment, but I also don't think it's particularly easy to know how we legislate it. And, oh, well, ban landlords is an inane, stupid and childlike argument. Oh, well, people shouldn't be able to have one property each. Why? That only suits you at the moment because you don't have one.
0: Yeah, I do. So to some extent, I actually buy into that idea. I think there should be a limit to... But but then, right, so here's the thing. This is where my logic and my sort of idealism kind of conflict, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, logically, I think, right, okay, landlords in the UK, you should have a maximum of, I think, four re- residential properties. I'm sort of pulling that figure out of my <laughs> ass, right? Four I'll residential, the- right? What they can be one bed flats, they can be three bed f- houses, they can be in the north or the south in Scotland, whatever. Fine. But... Then I start thinking, hang on, because my girlfriend works in this arena. Uh, I am already privy to the information that actually against probably most people's expectations, most landlords in the UK actually own like one maybe yes. two properties so then it becomes a question of like well look if the if the problem that you're trying to solve is the housing crisis and getting people firstly on that ladder you're not going to fucking solve it by wasting a load of legislative energy and political capital trying to put something like that in because Correct. it's not going to change anything right
1: that won't stop them however they they love to legislate the last five years george osborne started it, another conservative uh uh, chancellor started this war on landlords it's become an ideological war shelter or a shouter as we all call them um have uh, have become part of it and the whole tiktok landscape bad landlords so there's more landlord legislation on the way now
0: it's crazy though isn't it because it's like i like so i could imagine them wasting that i, I mean here i am sort yeah. of chastising them for uh, for, for wasting the political capital on it, but I could totally imagine them doing it because it's a Tory government. And I imagine that a lot of Tories own property or have friends or wives or husbands who have invested in property and they would then be in a really comfortable position to say, look, we're going to put this thing in, but don't worry because it, you know, secretly we all know that most of us only own like one or two properties. So it's
1: fine. Like it won't actually impact them, but it'll make us look
0: good in the Guardian.
1: But but then you run another problem because um, you know most people's most people's objection to this is and, I, and again I'll, I'll share an opinion with you right most people's objection to landlords is couched in terms of it's not fair it's not the right thing to do I would never do it and um, people just need to get it on the ladder that that's most people's the way sure. they're yeah, objections yeah. Are couched. the uncomfortable reality for many of us is that many people's objection to landlords is intensely personal and based purely on envy. You've got something and are doing something that I perceive makes you money for no effort whatsoever, and that's not fair. Now, you can see exactly the same thing in work from home versus um, going into a workplace. In fact, I think you've done it one of your videos. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: we can talk about where, that so.
1: Yeah, yeah, but this, it's the same envy idea. You've got something I haven't. So what's the solution? Well, the solution for some people is you shouldn't have it because I can't get it. Well, you can, you just need to do your life differently. Mm. And that's an uncomfortable, and um, that's going to sound you know, brutally gammon conservative. But, but actually, from an apolitical stance... If you want to be more clever or more switched on or make more money or be thinner or have a more attractive partner mm. or be able to cycle better or be a funny old comedian, exactly what you said earlier on, you're going to have to make some changes in your life. And it's going to be really horribly hard. That's just the reality of it.
0: I, I think you're right. Um, I think for, for a lot of people, I think it comes from not necessarily a place of envy purely. I think it comes from a place of immense frustration in mm-hmm. that they are uh, looking at property. They're trying to find a place to live, which is just a fundamental need, right? Like it's not something you can mm-hmm. dip in and dip out of, Yeah, yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons why so many people go into property, right? Because it's there's always going to be a market for a roof over people's Correct. heads. Correct. Um, but they are approaching this problem at a time where we've got booming landlordism if that's even a word and also a time
1: We, we, we we haven't landlordism is is waning because of the last five years, the, the legislation, rules, the tax changes, councils are so greedy; they're all piling in on what they want to get out of it. And, and I, I, again, I, um, this whole social networking, networking, this social uh, fabric now—it's okay to be really horrendous to landlords. A lot of landlords are going, "Do you know what? Sod this!" It's really? not. That's, yes, it's it's. Re- and I, I actually made a video on this. It's like, be careful what you wish for.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: you don't want landlords. To think this through, mm. you don't want landlords, you go on shelter and you you moan to them, you talk to your, land, uh, your, your MP and you come on TikTok and you shoot your mouth off and all this is happening. And meanwhile, all the tax rules and the councils are getting on it with their hands open, we want a bit more money, please. Yeah. And increasingly, landlords have gone, Do you know, I just don't need the hassle anymore. Or I'm going to switch to Airbnb or I'm going to sell this, I'm going to cash out. And what you've now got, is re- reduced numbers of landlords. And because you've got reduced numbers of landlords, some of those will go to other landlords' properties, but some of them will go to people to live there. Mm. Now, what do you think happens then? It means you've got less rentable property. Well, let's go to a classic. It's supply and demand. There's less property to rent. So yeah. guess what? The, pri- the prices go up. So, and, and I hate to say to those people, but you did that.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I understand that, but like the, the sort of... I guess the point I was going to get to was that Sorry, yeah. uh if if you've got a let's say a culture of landlords or landlordism until mm. now you you say that it's gone down uh, or, or that people are, are, are sort of bailing out of it. I'd be interested to see what they're going into. Are they like are they jumping into crypto?
1: <laughs> they're like fuck this. I think I think Bitcoin. Airbnb's been a big one. I mean, it's, it's a colleague of mine I've, I've known for a long time, and he he started moving into Airbnb. Mm. And as he's moving into Airbnb, and, you know, financially that's considerably better. And of course, we've got less people flying or moving or traveling abroad because the airports are so fucked. Yeah. Um, um, but what he's found, of course, is that his local council's going we want a license for that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I understand why that's got to happen. But I, it's, you know, I've got some sympathy for some of that.
0: But it's also to do with the, the absence of things like hundred percent mortgages. So like we were talking about like back in the eighties a second ago, right? Uh you're right like it's it's never been super super easy to get on the ladder right you've always had to either no. save up a deposit or take your take your risk with uh, with a 100% mortgage and and for a long long time they've failed to build the the an adequate number of houses so that's not new yeah. but what no. is new is that we're now sort of if you imagine a crescendo of failure of house building <laughs> uh, we're now at this like this sort of peak where the the cost of a house is what like you could probably quote the figures back to me but it's something ridiculous like the average uk house like to buy a house is something like 10 or 11 times the average uk salary right but you can only borrow up to like four and a half five times your salary
1: well you can borrow a bit more than that and i think it's about nine nine and a half times but um yeah i think i think those are the figures but um uh, but there are, yeah, there are usually other deals you can find but yeah the, it, it's so it's it, out it,
0: of reach, right?
1: Yeah, for, 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 yeah,
0: for a lot of people, yeah. unless there's yeah. family money and most people out there don't have family money. No, right. um, and the decision makers that decide on this stuff or that decide what legislation gets put into the Queen's speech that year or, or whatever uh do have family money and so there's this expectation that they're they're out of touch or there's this attitude that they're out of touch and that nothing's changing nothing's improving and because the traditional mechanism that they would have would be to just roll the dice on 100 percent mortgage fuck it i'm in the southeast i'll but like this is how my mum got on, on the ladder uh she got 100 percent mortgage bought the cheapest three-bed house it, on on the shittiest council estate in maidenhead and because you will know this, that the the general trend, even if there is a recession, is that the value of property tends to go up. It will recover. Yeah, um, it, she it made will, money in...
1: Over time, it will generally double every 10 years, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they used, to, though... they
1: used to say every seven years. But if you work on your property doubling in value every 10 years now, it's a bit like a fruit machine. So it's not like every 10 years your property will be double. Yeah. It's a lot more like over 500 years. If you work it out, it's doubled every 10 years. That's generally a bit of a mm. guideline people use
0: but because now there's insufficient stock of new houses and because you can't get a 100% mortgage right and because the legislators don't come from the same socioeconomic background as people like I was about to say people like me but I am on the ladder so I'm probably out of the out the window on this one um uh, there is this feeling of frustration and then I think when you inject landlords into the mix and these people look at their pay slips and they're like I earned, let's say, two thousand pounds last month and fucking half of it went on a flat that I could have saved half of that money if I just bought it. Like, what am I paying for? So I I totally understand the anger out there. But I also get where you're coming from and and indeed where my girlfriend comes from, where they're like, landlords provide a function. Not everyone can buy. Some people do want to rent. But I don't know. I I don't know what the solution is to it. Like, what
1: what do you think we should do? You can go back to 1979-80 with, with uh, Margaret Thatcher and the right to buy. And, of course, there are still some rabid lefties that go, bloody Thatcher, right to buy. Well, hang on, yeah, that's 50 years ago, 40 years ago. And, to be honest, you did have 12 years in the middle where you might have reversed that. If you go back to World War II... This country, no matter what brand of politics you favour, what side of the house you sit, mm. this country's never built enough properties. So right now, this country needs to build about three hundred thousand properties a year. Yeah. Just to keep up with demands. Yeah. Right? Three hundred thousand a year. Well, I think in something like two thousand seven, two thousand and eight, so that would have been Blair, um, I think they hit like two twenty. Yeah. And that was the closest we've ever got in a hundred years or eighty years right, one one year in the middle of Blair. And, of course, y- you then get into it well, if you want to talk politics, so, OK, Thatcher did the right to buy. A lot of people like the right to buy. I think it fundamentally changed the UK, changed the way we work. But none of them at the time thought, well, hang on, this is going to cause some problems later on because we still need social housing. And the reality is, the uncomfortable reality, again, for no matter what political thing you're interested in, um... Thatcher's team never came up with a solution. Uh, Mayor uh, John Major was in for, what, six, seven years? He never came up with a solution. Hmm. Blair and Brown, 12 years, never came up with a solution. And we're now back on the right, and 12 years, no-one's come up with a solution. No-one yeah. no no one has fixed it. And is that because they've come from a silver spoon background? It's possible. I, I don't think that's the reason. I do think at the moment the the, the current Conservative Parliament uh, government... I think they have a massive issue with perception and intention, and I think their perception is shocking. I don't, I don't think they have nailed it at all. And, and I think it's very, very hard. Certainly, if you come from the sort of the left of politics, to see them as anything other than the kinds of things they get called. I think it's, I think it's really hard to, for, for any of them to argue anything better. And I think the worst thing is they look so clueless yeah. in any kind of interview, and you're thinking. Well, you, you've been briefed, right? You've got <laughs> you've got like a box of stuff. With even the questions they're likely to ask you, why why aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm coming across whether or not you agree with me or disagree with me. I think I'm coming across as reasonably well informed on on this conversation so far. Sure. Why aren't I, Why aren't I seeing that in people who are professional talkers?
0: Well, I suppose again, sort of speaking coming from a left uh, perspective my my sense is that these are people who have not all of them uh but certainly with your Boris Johnson's your Jacob <laughs> Rees-Moggs yes. people who have come up through that silver spoon route they have failed upwards they've never really been disciplined or had to deal with uh the 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 output of failure um they've been rewarded for it uh conversely uh, and so for them to then sit and actually study and brief and be across their brief for something and to feel the repercussions of that is just something for the little people, you know, that's how it feels. I see how poorly they perform and I just go, Oh my fucking Christ. Like is it, these are the people that are leading us really. Is this the best we can do?
1: Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I think you can look back, depending on your your age and interest in politics. You can look back and you can see big sections of, oh my goodness, that was bad. And it, and it always fascinates me. And if I can kind of cross the floor briefly, if I, it always fascinates me when you see, like uh, people who are very proudly left who yeah. will come in and take take. Um, to take some displeasure at me talking about property or talking about money or something or, mm. or you know first of all they'll go, you know, try to sell a course. Well no I'm not actually but never mind. Um and they'll start off with um well there's there's this that's wrong and there's this that's wrong and, and something else. You kinda of go, well, okay, um what's your alternative? Well Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy Corbyn was the alternative. Yeah, but they didn't vote him in, did they? And then it's like there's always a reason why. They, well, well, yeah, it was agitators. It was it was uh, <laughs> hidden elite. It was okay. Well, oh, well, why don't you take why don't you take a leaf leaf out of Tony Blair? Because you know Tony Blair was, was a vote machine. He won yeah. three in a row. Even by his third one, he absolutely smashed the Conservatives. And then the response is always, "Oh yeah, but he's not a proper Labour guy." Well, maybe you need not a proper Labour guy if you want to have another chance then, because. He he smashed it.
0: Well, that's the argument with Starmerism, for yes. want of a better word, isn't it? It's like yes. yeah. so I always w- whenever people criticize uh Starmer or accuse me of being some sort of Starmer fanboy, I'm always like, No, don't get it twisted. I don't think he's Jesus. I certainly don't worship him in the way that some people worshipped Corbyn. I'm not into hero worship, frankly, when it's politics, unless it's Emily Thornbury, who is fucking amazing. Uh but um But when it comes to Starmer, I'm like, I'm like, no, the idea is I will support him because he's leader of the opposition. Let's get him in into power. And then once you're in power, once you're actually in a position to affect change, then you form lobby groups in the way that, let's say, the ERG have in in the Conservative Party. You lobby for the change that you actually want to see. And maybe he won't do the thing that you want him to do. But you've got fucking an infinite infinitely greater chance of having that conversation and having that form some sort of bill that then gets discussed and debated than than just sitting here on the sidelines and fucking complaining about shit that that ended like two years ago or three years ago grow the fuck up so it's like there's a there's a real element of frustration there where it's like i can see that you know it's i i i've got to maybe i should i'll have to watch my tone here a little bit graham because i'm going to get myself in trouble again but um with whom well this is it like uh, this is this is one of my bugbears is uh, on on the right people tend to sort of coalesce uh, and support whoever the prime minister or leader of the conservative party is at that moment on the left the vote gets split between sort of puritans and Mm. uh, and realists (laughs) in my in my view
1: I I think there's a yeah I think there's certainly a truth of kind of not proper Mm. labour okay you're not if proper labour is what I think you're identifying proper labour as, it's possible, and I mean this very, very gently, it's possible the country has changed since yeah. proper labour was, was first around. And those glory days of what you consider to be glory, uh, proper labour, I'm not totally sure that's representative of the country anymore. Not totally not totally clear. That's what actually people want or need right now.
0: Do you know what's fascinating, though, Graham? Is like, I, so I understand why they would look at somebody like starmer thornbury cooper and say like that's not proper labor they are tory lights they're in nice suits you know they're cozy with business i want a working class northern lads who knows what it's like that you know i i get that but what i don't understand is why those same people then vote Tory and go like, yeah, I don't like Starmer, he's not real Labour, but I will vote for this <laughs> like narcissistic, sociopathic hundred and eighty thousand person killing, like corrupt, incompetent, cheat it, like light like oh my god. It's it's like why would you go for is it sort of a better the devil you know thing? Like, well at least this guy we know he's an asshole. you know?
1: I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I got essentially moving
0: into your stand-up, so I was just uh, watching it. Was there a question there? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just uh, <laughs> re- rhetorically asking slash ranting. Yeah. You're venting. You feeling any let's, better? Uh, not really. No, never. Uh, let's talk about work from home, because this right. is this is something that we do sort of yeah. meet uh, midway on. So um, I'll, 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 I'll sort of rehash. Think largely,
1: I think we largely agree on this
0: one, actually. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I'm, I'm going to rehash my my sort of thoughts on it and then i'll i'll pass over to you and you can sort of elaborate or, or add any caveats onto it if you like but my kind of take on this I'm i'm somewhat puzzled by the government's push to get people out of their homes and back to the office commuting in the middle of a cost of living crisis yeah, where so people like me have made the adjustment to work from home because we were told to. Yeah, uh, there is a small uptick in the sense that we're, we're no longer spending 400 pounds a month on rail fare. Yeah. I'm very yeah. grateful for that. I spend time with my kids now.
1: Yeah. Um, What's not to like?
0: Yeah. Right. You spend more time with your family. Uh, you're saving a bit of money. You, I, I think what 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 kind of just baffles me is this idea that it's like right it's bad for the economy though i'm like well no it's not i'm still spending the money money locally so the money i would have spent in Pret the, the, in the, morgate the,
1: the difficulty we have and actually i can i can say you you won't hear me say this very often um, i suspect we'll never hear you say it i can see some good intention from reese mogg here all right i can see some good intentions sweet jesus graham you, you want a conversation or not yeah um, but but I think he's gone about it horrendously badly. Mm. So here's the thing. I spent 24 years saying you can't do my kind of work online. So for 24 years, I went all over Europe, UK, Indonesia, East and West Coast, America. It was lovely. I loved it. Could not get enough of it. It's fantastic. And then the pandemic hit and I had two months of no revenue, at which point I rapidly rethought my options. I thought, yeah, I'm going to buy a green screen and set up everything and do it from here. And as it turns out, not only can you do my job from home, but I considerably prefer it not just for my own personal reasons, but I think I now do a better job. I think my clients get a better service. They get a much cheaper service because they don't have to pay me to travel up and down the country or go abroad. They don't have to pay for hotels. They've absolutely cut their costs. I sell them short pockets of time rather than whole days. Their delegates don't have to come work with me for a whole day. They can drop in for two hours. But my revenue stays the same or even slightly higher. So, in other words, it's all business cases up. The learning case, how clients can work is up. My personal life. I don't have to go on trains all the time. I stay in hotels all the time. Um, Every business person who stays in hotels says it's pretty boring. It's fucking amazing. I love staying in hotels. But... (laughs) It's nicer staying at home, right? So it's all up. Now, what happens during this period is that you and everybody else suddenly goes, "Um, I like this. I hate commuting. I never had to commute, right? I hate commuting. Oh, my God, I'm saving £400 a month. Or I can see my children. I've got clients in major corporations who in the early months were going, This is great. Mm -hmm. I I can get up. I can walk the dog. I can get back. I can take my daughter to school. I can log in. I can drop into Teams or Zoom or Skype, even meetings with people. That's a fine... It's important to note here as well that none of it, like.
0: So we're talking about our own experiences, right? But this is not just anecdotal. This is studies based. Also, it's like backed up. Oh, by it's
1: it's beyond, it's beyond that. I mean, all yeah. over linked, all over LinkedIn. I've I've done the questions on on uh, on TikTok, and it's anecdotal. But you know, the numbers are absolutely. Um, it's not. It's not like a 48 percent split. Oh. Uh, it's a fairly famous split, which was uh, still contested, but <laughs> it, it's. Yeah, massive 60 75 percent going oh no i will work from home now the interesting thing is the well younger... just,
0: sorry to to interject it's not mm. just like that they want to work from home it's that people rated their mental health better oh, look, listen they're more productive it, it's like it's everything
1: and, and, and before in my world before the pandemic the number of times i'd have a meeting with somebody and i'd say you know how how are you whatever they go oh i just be working from home it's amazing it's so much more done right mm. no one has ever said i work from home is a bit of a pain now let's just put a quick caveat in sometimes younger people perhaps who have to uh, house share or flat share it's more difficult if you're sharing with somebody else and you're both trying to work from home i completely get that's a problem but one of my colleagues said we don't talk about work from home we talk about work from anywhere and work from anywhere is this you don't have to work from home if you don't want to or can't you can work from the park or a quiet cost or you can go to a business center he said but failing all of those the office remains open yeah. But he said, the one thing you can't do is complain you're being made to come in, nor can you complain you're being made to stay at home. He said, neither of those are true. You come in and go home. And I thought, that guy nailed it. Yeah. Now, on the backdrop of all of that, our worlds have now irretrievably changed. We can't, as a population, buy into the idea of all going back into town to work, to do whatever we can. Now, you made a point, what if it's not fair that you've got to go to work because that's where your work is based and I can just work from home? Mm. Well, you need to change your job if you don't like that. Yeah. The solution to you not being happy is not making me unhappy too. So back to Rhys Mogg. Rhys Mogg's idea was sound. He's looking at the government being accused of wasting money left, right and centre, which they have been doing. So what he's done is he's thought, we've got all these big buildings which cost us God knows how much. I mean, th- th- that property in that that you know, prime London property, I have no concept what it's going to cost.
0: Huge. How much could you buy to let that out for? I oh, mean, well,
1: <laughs> but the, the problem he's got is if he said nothing, we're going to kick him for that because it is, what the hell are all these people doing at home all day, Right. So he's gone in and said, right, we need to get you all into work. Now, that's a stupid solution. That was the wrong solution to the problem. Hmm. And the problem really is bigger than do we get people into the offices. The problem really is, oh, can we turn them into big flats for people? That's not even the solution either. We've got to fundamentally rethink city centres, because we don't need as many shops as we've had. Mm. But we can't just turn them into properties, because you might recall from the early 60s when they're rebuilding after World War II, all these flats, everyone's going, this is the future homes. But of course, by the 70s and 80s, we is just got this vandalism, we've got drug dealing, because they're all... You know, there's these horrible, isolated places. We need to redesign villages, so city centres need to become... You take that block there, and you put some really nice, expensive housing in, and you put some mid-range housing in and you put supported social housing in and you put in some cafes and some restaurants and you need youth centers for, for kids to go and do whatever kids do these days. Mm. And you need a drama center. You need somewhere you can go skating. You need a place for old folk to go and work together. You need a gym. You need somewhere you can go and do um, graffiti on the wall. Yeah, so it's sort of like
0: re strategizing the space. Re strategize
1: the, the entire place. So, and then you can go to the coffee shop next door and you build all this thing. And if you did that, then you have a chance of reworking this property. But at the moment, they're all doing it piecemeal. Let's yeah. get them back to the offices. Terrible idea. Why? So so Costa or somebody can survive. Mm. You know, it's it's like arguing we shouldn't invent the car a hundred years ago. Because what about all these blacksmiths that do horseshoes? It, it's the wrong argument. It's the wrong solution to a genuine problem.
0: Yeah, and it's well, it's also. It, it it smacks of this sort of um, this idea that you've got these big commercial property owners in the city centres who are pushing like i don't know if they're donors or not but it would not surprise me at all if the same people who own all of these properties in the city i think richard tice is one of them he is a commercial uh, property owner who has been pushing people to go back to the office there's a funny clip of him i think last year where he was like people are just being selfish <laughs> it's like Mate, come on. Like just fucking sell your property to some developer.
1: That's a really compelling story, of course, that, that Reese mogg has got, you know, property portfolio in central London or his rich donor mate to own the property. It may or may not be true. And and you know, Well
0: Dominic is... Cummings said the other day in a tweet that yeah. the reason that they're pushing for work from home, and it's that let's be clear that um God, I sound like a politician you know when they say like let's be clear, I'm, let's be I'm, clear. I I'm was very clear, clear about this factor. yeah but um uh but he said like what, one of the reasons that they are really pushing for work from home and it is not just the civil service uh buildings uh, or, or civil servant um desks within government buildings that that they're pushing on this you see it on the front page of the mail where they're saying, That the the Bank of England staff. Oh, no wonder that there's big inflation because all the Bank of England staff are all working from home. Blah blah blah. So it's it's uh, any opportunity they can, whether it's the mail or Nick Ferrari on LBC, they are bashing the idea of work from home. You should be getting back to to the office. You, it's no good you sitting at home in your pajamas, etc., etc. But but Um, there is
1: but there is a counter argument to this, which is. dvla famously yeah. has really struggled to move to work from home mm. i suspect a lot of uh, or certainly some uh, big civil servant organizations have struggled to do that now, there's no real reason they struggle to do that other than perhaps organization other than how are we going to make this work but most corporate organizations have made it work yeah. so that that i think we're in a mid to long term problem i don't think it's a quick fix but the the fix is not everyone's got to go back to work that's a stupid idea
0: it's a really Ah. yeah it's a simplistic quick fire uh i was going to say easy solution but it's not an easy solution because it's just set up to fail what it what it what it says to me is that these are people in positions of power and influence who really don't understand fundamentally how yeah. people's jobs have changed and they can absolutely probably i say can absolutely probably uh, they 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 probably can force the civil service in some capacity to go back to the office. But in terms of the private sector, the guys that like my day job, people that I would get phone calls from like recruiters that nobody is talking about fucking nine to five commuting in. Everyone is talking about like, um, and the uh, reality is hybrid the, roles. It's been, and... I've
1: just I've just noticed we've clicked past eight thirty. I'm so sorry. i I'm gonna have to call this in a minute. Oh sure, um, yeah, no, I don't want to kill. I'm keep so you. sorry. I've yeah. just literally noticed. Um I think the final thought for me on that is um we're not all going back to the workplace. And uh, I don't think they can make people go back because what we're seeing in recruitment is people are getting are now saying, Okay, so what's the salary, what's the what's the deal? What's the package? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to come in every week. Nah, you're right. And yeah. already people that are saying it's two day a week in the office are already struggling to recruit as well as those that say work from anywhere.
0: Yeah. Well the market rate for going into the office, what will happen is like the market rate that it, it was a year ago or two years ago will become mm. the the actual rate, and then mm. if you want me to come into the office on top of that, well now you got to pay me an extra like 10k or 20k Indeed, or it. so. Listen, I
1: I got to bring this to a close. I'm so sorry. Cool, I just, I'll, I'll leave- let you go. Thank like- you so
0: much for joining me tonight, Graham David. Thank you.
1: It's been brilliant. Lovely talking to you, eh? Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. Take lazy bye bye.
0: Uh, That was Graham David. Uh, Ladies and gents, once again, thank you so much for joining me for A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. A bit of an abrupt ending there uh, by Graham. But uh, do you know what? I will forgive him because he's such a charming, lovely guy. Um, If you do want to support the podcast, please do jump onto Patreon. There's three tiers on there uh, that you can choose from. I think the cheapest is uh, two pounds, uh, so not much at all. Um, all I would say is that if you're not in a position to support the podcast, it's totally fine. I understand that. Um, it is a weird time. Um, all I would ask in return is that if you've listened to a couple of the episodes, uh, and, uh, and you've enjoyed them, then please do uh, send a link on to one of your friends who you think might also enjoy the podcast and indeed maybe the blogs, all of which are available on funk27.co.uk uh until next time guys um uh, which will be next wednesday actually i do a show uh, a solo show on wednesday where i talk about life love the universe whatever's in the news usually taking the piss out of america in some i don't know why that's become my niche for the solo shows but um uh but uh, but that's it that's my thing and uh and then friday night i usually have a guest on for the live stream at half past seven uh, everything goes out on patreon first and then a couple of days later it goes out onto spotify and apple podcasts uh thank you so much for tuning in i will be back next week take care of yourselves and each other god i sound like jerry springer i'm out bye